Hi, and welcome to the Real Girls Club. My name is Lucy, and today I'll be interviewing Miruna Strout. Miruna is a 23-year-old film studies graduate, aspiring filmmaker, and rising entrepreneur from Romania. She most recently founded her own film company called Cinefilium, which is a website aimed at showcasing film students' short films. In today's episode, we talked all about what her motivations were to study film at university, what her influences are as a future filmmaker, and also the advice she would like to give to women that would like to work in film, and much more. I hope you enjoy today's episode. I really appreciate you getting in touch. Of course, we kind of just missed each other because you got in touch because you were going to the three days in Cannes as well, I'm guessing, or for a different reason. But we just missed each other because you were going at the first half of the festival and I was going at the second half. So how was your experience there? Like, what was it like? What films did you see? Did you have a good time? Uh, uh, it was actually my, my third year. Uh, and it was the first time I went uh, for the first session because uh, every time I was going to the second session. Um, but yeah, um, I would recommend the second session. <laughs> Nothing much happens in the first one. Really? Okay. But, yeah, I mean, the films, there's not that many, I don't know, in my opinion. I, I Again, I think this was the year I saw the least. I went to the rendezvous with the Jodie Foster, so that was fun. Wow. Um, uh, yeah it was uh, <laughs> the the ones I've attended before they were in English but because Joy Foster is such a genius she knows perfect French it was in French <laughs> I heard I heard that she went to school in France so like such a handy skill to have especially when you're going to the Cannes Film Festival to be able to speak in yeah, French. I was wearing headphones with the translation and everything and she she talked about some very interesting uh, things uh can't remember right now but uh yeah just her you know she's like a con baby because she went there when she was like yeah very young. when she went there for the first time it was like with two films or something so it was taxi driver and then another one um which is insane but yeah she was actually talking about how uh, on the day she was like leaving for con her dog died or something oh no um, oh god bad yeah. timing well so, never yeah, good timing she... to have your dog die to be honest whether it's before exactly. a festival or not exactly and she was like, um, you know, at least something good can come out of this experience. And obviously it was. But yeah, um, but yeah, I enjoyed that. And I think my favorite one, I don't know, I saw a bunch of them. I saw Annette, obviously. I think my favorite one was the the, the Velvet Underground documentary. Ah, um, okay. They're both yeah. films that I did not see. So it'd be interesting to hear your what your view was of those. Yeah, I, I went to the premiere of uh, the Velvet Underground one. I I really enjoyed it. I think it was also one because I wasn't that familiar with the Velvet Underground. I only knew about Lou Reed, um, and that's about it. <laughs> and um, and uh, also because it was set in the '60s in New York mostly, and uh, I just I I'm a huge fan of the '60s. Like everything about that decade is just fascinating to me, and I obviously loved it. I I didn't know they were like, at some point, uh, produced or like sponsored by Andy Warhol and the Factory. It was like <laughs> everything was so new to me. But yeah, um, I really enjoyed it, and I was like, I remember I was sitting in um the the venue and. Uh, I was like frustrated because like all of these ideas were coming out to me and I couldn't write on my phone. <laughs> I tend to get all my ideas as I'm about to fall asleep. 
and I'm sometimes too tired to get up and write it down on a notepad and I'm like you know I really should have a notepad beside my bed and a pen and just you know seize the moment but I can imagine yeah I was getting loads of inspiration at Cannes as well just like there's you're just inspired all the time by the people you're meeting and the films you're seeing and everything exactly I can give you a tip though um I sometimes uh, get um, some of my ideas when I wake up and because I'm so sleepy obviously I can write anything but I record myself I record my voice <laughs> okay ah, I like that idea because actually I these days I send more and more messages to family and friends through a voice message because I just can't be bothered to type like my hands are just like from all the scrolling and the you know the liking like I can't be bothered anymore so I just do a little mini podcast to my friends and family that's a great idea a great tip it's faster and obviously when you're like falling asleep or just waking up it's like like a stream of consciousness yeah good tip and I need to actually remember that one so yeah. you said it was your third time in Cannes and can I ask where you came from from Cannes like what is your background to cinema like from from like today to you know those last times that you went to Cannes and like how did you get to like this moment kind of thing? Uh, well the first year um, I was in the middle of writing my second to last essay uh, <laughs> for my second year of uni and I saw in Wire, I think, posted uh, something about this three days in Khan badge. It was the first year they were doing it. And um, I thought it was like, wow, obviously Khan for me was <laughs> like everything I could dream of at that point. And when I saw that I applied, it was like last minute. And because it was last minute, uh, I didn't get selected. Um, and so I was like, okay, I, that was like a month before. Uh, the festival and uh, again I was in the middle of writing my (laughs) essay for uni Mm -hmm. Um, it was like two days before the deadline and I got I received the email that again uh, something happened or like a free space or something just happened and I was selected to go and um, obviously I was very stressed because I didn't know should I just leave I didn't have anything like uh, accommodation flights mm-hmm. and I didn't have anything it was like a few days before a weekend before the festival and uh, like two days or three days and obviously I was like filled with anxiety but at the end of the day I said uh, I, I will go I will ask for um, special consideration type of thing for uni so I can go and uh, you know the extended deadline and um and I went I I think I was lucky because I found an amazing accommodation like it's still my favorite one <laughs> I ha- I still haven't found anything as good in Cannes um and yeah obviously I went alone I lived with complete strangers <laughs> but uh but I became friends with like 90% of them. I still talk to them to this day. Uh, then last year, not last year, two years ago for my second session, I met with them. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was stressful. Obviously festivals are stressful in general. Yes, but, I can uh, confirm. You'd think it was something super glamorous, but it's actually very stressful. Oh, God. And trust me, the first year, like this year was kind of chill because everything was uh, online. The, um, the reservation and everything. Mm. But like the year I went, uh, you sh- you had to queue up like hours before the film, before yeah. the screening. And uh, you still didn't know if you were going to get in or not. 
but I've heard that's a great way to pe- meet people at Cannes is people you you meet is in the queues when, when you're waiting for a master class or a film true that's that's true yeah but now I feel like this year it was a lot of them um, yeah a lot of save time because you just did everything online and you could cancel really easily if you needed to like switch or change your mind and yeah I just find it much more efficient so hopefully they'll keep that going forward even if it was just for COVID I think that's why they put it in place uh, yeah I thought it was uh, very very useful uh, time wise <laughs> so. yes time saving definitely I, I, I got to sleep more because the first time I went I slept like five hours in those <laughs> three days it was uh, yeah because even like for the early screenings you would wake up at five or something just to you know I think the earliest I got up was maybe well every day I was getting up quite early but the earliest screening I went to was 9 a.m I don't think I would have gone earlier than that so you said that when you went for the first time uh, you're in the middle of writing an writing an essay, so you're in university. And from what you've told me, you well, from what I already know because I put it on Instagram page, <laughs> that you studied at the University of Southampton, and you did cinema studies. And at first, when I looked, I thought maybe it was Southampton in America because they always have lots of towns in America that are very similar to British names. But it's actually Southampton, the UK, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So tell me about that. Like, what sort of propelled you to go on and and study cinema? Did it just happen, or was it really planned and well thought out well I don't know because in high school I wanted to do something else I wanted to pursue architecture it was I was still like uh, into let's say this creative field because I always was drawn to that uh but it was never film I mean let's say okay in uh, in middle school um I did I was taking some acting classes and uh our drama teacher was the one who kind of like um, started this new course for screenwriting. So mm-hmm. I guess that was my um, my first contact with the, the film world. Let's say it was by uh, through screenwriting, and uh, I don't know. It just it just captivated me like this art of storytelling because um, uh, I remember. I don't know I was like 12 I think uh it was uh I was like so captivated oh my god like telling stories like creating stories and everything I that night I remember I I just like started writing and I I I wrote an entire notebook and the next day I came to um I went to my teacher and presented him like uh, a full-fledged sci-fi mystery script draft and um and I, I think this was what prompted him to allow us, the students, to um, the, the opportunity to write our own scripts and then act in plays written by ourselves. And so, yeah, I think at that point in like seventh grade, I was writing scripts for stage. Um, and I actually had one of my scripts, uh, like, let's say, adapted for stage. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah. An, an official production of uh, our school's uh, annual theater show, you know. That was like the first time my my creativity and like passion for something that was meant to be a mere hobby were like, you know, recognized and appreciated and uh, seen as like strengths and not, um, let's say, I don't know, with like negative connotations because I was always that kid that had the, the head, her head in the clouds. You said you were considering architecture. So what made you decide on that switch? 
Uh, well, first of all, I, I underestimated the technical and analytical side of architecture. <laughs> and uh, then I thought, I don't know, I was like, drawing was like my favorite thing in the world to do. And I was like, what's my second favorite thing? And it was watching movies and discussing movies. Um, obviously, there's not uh, what attracted me that was like a very superficial way of looking at things but um it was obviously more about stories and like telling stories and creating stories and yeah uh but yeah I guess that's the moment I decided to pursue film and um it was I don't know 12th grade when I was looking into universities and I was considering obviously the UK was the only option. Was that because in your hometown it wasn't there wasn't such a good course available in cinema or for different well, actually, reasons? Actually no actually yeah I, somehow I always wanted to leave Romania. Um, I just I knew I wanted to leave I didn't want to study here necessarily mm -hmm. uh, but I would say this is just my experience but I would say uh, younger generations are like more and more are leaving uh, the country mm -hmm. so it's a thing that's happening <laughs> here <laughs> and when when you got to the UK to to study your degree I'm assuming it was about a three-year bachelor's probably like mine mine was three years long yeah three years yeah and when you got there was it everything you kind of hoped it would be and more or was it different to what you expected well, the thing is, my experience was kind of, um, I don't know how to say it, um, not stained, stained as in like uh, affected. The thing is, I was going through some like uh, health issues in the first uh, year mm -hmm. and that kind of, let's say, affected my experience, like, you know, freshers week and everything. Mm -hmm. And usually, I don't know, I came with this idea that during the first year you find your people or whatever mm -hmm. um and it wasn't like that <laughs> you have this idea in mind that even the people you live with in the first year um your flatmates they are going to become your best friends for life and you're mm -hmm. you know the people you're going to spend the rest of you with but it wasn't like that for me and mm -hmm. obviously my um, it was on my side of things as well because i was experiencing i was going through some stuff but um but uh, it kind of like took off from like the second year I was starting to, um, you know, uh, make friends with other people. The thing is, uh, let, let's go back. Yeah, I, I came with like very high expectations of the UK and mm -hmm. the people there. And uh, obviously I was also obsessed with uh, UK, like music in general. But yeah, and uh, I was very excited when I found out that... Uh, I, I will be, uh, my flatmates will all be British, you know, uh, it was like exactly what I wanted. And um, I don't know, I felt very, not excluded, but um, in a way, seen as a foreigner, you know, like I didn't mm. want to be seen as a foreigner, but I was. Yeah, and I, I distanced myself from them. And again, I didn't have many friends in the first of uni but like in second year I yeah I, um because I had some Romanian friends who were studying computer science and for them it was in a way easier to uh, make friends or like get close to people because they had um I don't know just like the right environment like they after courses they would go to the labs where they would you know 
work on their things, but also socialize, you know? Mm -hmm. And us as uh, film students, we didn't really have much except the library, right? And it's it's harder, you know? You were saying um, there's the community of film students at university is very different to say you are studying psychology. I remember like every second person I met was studying psychology or something like this. And they were always having like galas and balls and meetups and like, and I was like, there was never any like gala or ball for the film students, like ever, like that just didn't happen. I mean, I know our community was much smaller, like there's way less film students compared to psychology, for example, or I don't know, medicine or something, but there was never anything really organized for us. So at the time I was thinking maybe I should take it upon myself to do it, but I never did because I was always busy with lots of other things and like spent most of my time in the library but I know what you mean that this it was harder to like have the same community as they had in other subjects how, how long ago was it since you graduated then I graduated in 2019 so uh, yeah, a couple of years after me then and what have you been up to since you left uni and like how was that experience going from student to into the real world and wanting to work in film um well uh yeah so I was finishing uni when I came up with the idea for cinephilium um so I wanted to focus on that right after uni um -hmm. obviously mainly that but also my own projects but which I knew (laughs) I had to first develop and it would take a lot of time so I would do that on the side but um yeah cinephilium was like the main priority let's say so that's something that you've been having in the works for quite a while. So where did the idea come from? Where was the light bulb moment of, you know, I want to start this streaming platform? Um, it's it's interesting because it first started started as a, like um, a platform for independent films. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was because I, I couldn't, during uni, I couldn't find um, the, the films I wanted to watch you know like not even on BFI not even on movie I couldn't find them and um it was a bit frustrating uh but then obviously I realized there are a bunch of other platforms for that on one hand on and on the other hand there's like a bunch of uh, paperwork and I don't know a bunch of legal stuff um uh, that would take a lot of, I don't know, time and investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then, like, sin- uh, what Cinephilium is today was just like a side thing, you know. It would have still been on the platform, but not, uh, I don't know, the main thing. And it kind of became the main thing <laughs> um, when I was, like, uh, uh, talking to uh, a colleague of mine in the cafeteria and... I was presenting to him, you know, the idea, and uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, this is uh, this is a great idea because you know, I I have a lot of short films, but I I usually post them on YouTube, and mm-hmm. that's what I saw as well. Like every student usually posts their short films on YouTube or mm-hmm. in, you know, mostly YouTube, and um, again, it's <laughs> who sees those films, you know." <laughs> Well, that's it, because I was going to say to you, like, what sets Cinephilium apart from these other streaming platforms? But I guess you're right in the sense that, yeah, okay, you could use YouTube to post your short films, but they're going to get probably quite lost amongst the millions of other videos that are on there, you know? Exactly. 
I, I like to think I like to think it's like the way I see it is uh, you're just post you're just throwing your short in like this void of video content and <laughs> yeah you don't know if it's gonna be seen if who is gonna see it and if it's the right person if they're the right people and that was the main idea because it was like you know I don't think there's any platforms that like showcase or like uh, try uh, promote uh, student shorts you know there mm-hmm. are platforms for professional shorts let's say but not for student shorts mm-hmm. and they're, they're again a bit um, discriminated like even in uh, when you apply to different programs like right now I'm, I'm applying with my feature film idea to different programs and mm-hmm. they're not they don't care that much about your the films you made during uh, uh, you know uni mm-hmm. like they're they, they're not taking them into consideration and it's true okay they're not as professional you know but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I don't know there isn't a great idea behind it or like your vision is not present there you know it's I think they're a bit uh, yeah discriminating <laughs> I mean because you, you mean that they they don't want to see the work that you've done in a short film for example they'd rather just know what your story idea is now they would rather just see the shorts you've done after uni so okay right yeah even if you made a bunch of shorts during uni they do any they usually see them as just student shorts so again not professional I mean I do think it's such a great idea though Cinephilium because as you were saying it can get so lost amongst all these other places and that things like Vimeo and YouTube I mean the only people that can see these videos is if they have a link to it whereas if you know there is this database where people are looking for new filmmakers or you want to showcase your work in like one place then that is like the best way to do it really is not to have it on like a YouTube link you know um, like a yeah. private link whereas actually they can go to this specific website and um, it's almost like yeah. having everyone's got their own sort of portfolio. Yeah yeah exactly and it's uh we also wanted to be like a sort of like an IMDb database for young students or up-and-coming filmmakers and artists again if I don't know if you watch a short on Cinefilm and you like I don't know how it was shot right you can um, find who you know like contact them uh, personally Mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh, and you can see really what the person's capable of as well and yeah Um, how do you go about choosing the films um, that go on to Cinefilium I know it's quite still relatively quite new but how do you go about vetting what's going to go on there assuming you watch everything before it goes on there I mean oh yeah obviously we're very small still we're still just launched so we don't have that many films Mm -hmm. uh, on the website Um, so obviously we're open to any but um, Mm -hmm. for what we have now I think it's very diverse because like we have um I think half of them are very experimental and you know and we also have like uh, actually no like more than half are experimental <laughs> it's just again we don't discriminate just because as a student I think you're more um motivated to uh, experiment with different uh, you just want to test the waters or something mm-hmm. and to find again your vision and I guess it's um it's very interesting to see I don't know what you can come up with because mm-hmm. uh, again oh my god my dog <laughs> I was wondering what that noise was <laughs> he, 
has this weird habit of drinking from outside the bidet. <laughs> and I can, yeah. That's funny. Wait, 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 just a second. This is my bathroom, sorry. Let <laughs> yeah. um, me just. This is my. Oh, he's adorable. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know why he i mean as if it's clean it's clean it's fine it's adorable it's just it's just uh you know colder because it's very hot so i guess uh, yeah yeah it's probably he's probably very thirsty yeah. <laughs> well nice so, to meet your dog <laughs> i'm sorry about that. his name is anakin anna anakin anakin from Star Wars, have you watched Star Wars? Oh, I have, but I'm not. I'm not good enough of a Star Wars nerd to know. Okay, Anakin is basically Darth Vader before. Ah, that's a great name for a dog. I love it. <laughs> okay, uh, I. I think I would have called my dog though. Um, Chewbacca is that the name? Chewbacca, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure people have done that all over the world. I'm sure that's already like everyone's called their dog Chewbacca. <laughs> um okay so i mean what are your future goals for cinephilium uh well right now what we're trying and actually struggling to i i found i find it harder than i thought it was going to be to just populate the the platform with films and uh yeah at, at this point we just want as many films as possible on the platform um you know, obviously we had a, um, I had a, a different marketing strategy. I was supposed before COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I was planning was to start with the UK and just go from uni to uni and actually talk about it and uh, mm. for people to see it as an actual like legit platform. Mm-hmm. But because of COVID, I couldn't actually do yeah. that we yeah we went on the email (laughs) that's the best way to reach out to people at the moment I guess is social media and emails and I mean that's exactly what I was thinking is that of course the best places to approach for you is schools universities film schools I'm sure they'd be uh, they'd love to get on board with it on this online thing we we first started like uh, contacting contacting um film societies from each UK university Mm -hmm. and now not that much that not that many um responded and then we we were like okay then let's contact universities just like directly and mm-hmm. um, again not <laughs> many responded it was funny you know because at, at Cannes this year I met with a, another Romanian uh, girl and who's mm-hmm. studying film at King's College right mm-hmm. and King's we contacted um, both the film societies and uh, the university and she was still not familiar with the platform she's like oh yeah I haven't heard of it but I guess the email was also lost or something <laughs> <laughs> I think eventually the you know the right people will, will get back to you and um, the people that you want and you know it sounds so cliche but you know that that meme that was going around of Lady Gaga for ages when she she was like and all you need is one person in the room to say yes like that applies to anything like I sent out so many emails before going to Cannes to like different Mm -hmm. female filmmakers and only one person got back to me out of I don't know how many emails I sent out and only one got back to me but one was enough you know that was enough for me and yeah so I think the same for you that like 
you know, just keep sending out the emails and all you need is one person to say, yes, I'll get on board. You don't need everyone to say yes. Otherwise you'd be over, <clears throat> you'd be overwhelmed with emails and too much work to do anyway. So, you know, like people talk about luck in the film industry. I think uh-huh. it's not, it's, I think the luck comes from um, just meeting the, the right people. So you said that you have other projects alongside Cinephilium. Um, what are they and how do you sort of divide your time up between working, making a living? Maybe you have a full-time or a part-time job on the side. I don't know. Um, all your different projects. How do you, I mean, you obviously have lots of different passions and interests. So how do you kind of divide your time up between all of them? Um, yeah, that is the hardest question of this interview because I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to have one. I mean, if you've, if you've just got a very DIY approach, then that's yeah. fine. I'm just as confused, honestly. Um, no, but like, but I guess what I, what I'm prioritizing right now is um, writing the my first feature film script. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I've I've actually again it's an idea I had up right after finishing uni, so I've been working on it for a year a, a year now. Um, so I guess I'm right now I'm at this point where I'm. I'm um, applying to different programs, different film markets, different, um, you know, workshops, um, Mm -hmm. idea, um, in hopes, again, that I can make it, Um, (laughs) which is, again, uh, proving very difficult, like, even more difficult in Romania than in in other parts of the world, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, I guess this is what I'm focusing right now on is just uh developing this folk horror idea Mm. Uh, yeah i was gonna say can can i know anything about it i mean don't uh, obviously give anything away but like what's the is it a personal story or just are you more into uh, writing um fantasy and fiction uh, it is uh, it, it is fiction but it has uh themes that are are very close to you know my my own uh life and personal experience and family and everything um like this theme of like family as blessing or curse is like something that's uh that followed me my entire life so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to put let's say portray that in a in a different way but what i actually because if we are talking about this uh i also mentioned the lighthouse as uh, my yes. one of the movies yeah uh, which I saw at Cannes and I don't think if I, I don't think, I don't know, if I wouldn't have seen The Lighthouse at Cannes, I don't know if I would have seen it uh, afterwards. And if mm-hmm. I wouldn't have seen The Lighthouse, I, I don't think I would have had this uh, vision for the film that I'm mm-hmm. writing. I've heard this actually in a, another interview I had and a girl saying something similar about having seen a film and how it was like this pivotal moment for her and I think that can be the case especially in like a filmmaker's career like you see something and then kind of just changes everything for you yeah because it feels like that director speaks to I don't know your soul in the sense that they understand uh your vision in a way I don't know if it makes sense but no it does it does yeah they just speak to you and the lighthouse is just very inspiring to me because again it's a horror made different and I'm all about originality like show me even if it's like a 
a story that I've seen before, just tell it differently, you know, like visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surprise in some way. Just mm-hmm. I want to be, um, the director being creative. And I think this is like one of the things that's missing right now. But um, yeah. And uh, also, like for some people, it's not even horror, right? Like some people just see it as something else, you know? And I like films uh, that make you, I don't know, just have a different. Uh, opinion and just perspective on it different from the one next to you right because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know I feel like film is losing from its um, mystery and subjectivity and just I don't know so I mean you that was one of your influences do you have other influences and like you, you also mentioned the French new wave as an influence so yeah, what, why why the French New Wave and what other kind of films and directors do you look up to? Uh, the French New Wave. Well, uh, we studied the French New Wave in the first year of uni, the first semester. Mm-hmm. But actually, the first French New Wave film I watched in, again, middle school. <laughs> and I was, again, fascinated. I obviously didn't know much about cinema at that point. It was uh, The 400 Blows, I think. And obviously, from then on. actually. I don't know have you actually studied I, I don't remember how much we studied I just remember doing a lot of research on it because I was like fascinated I think why I think I love the French New Wave so much is um those those directors they were able to create films that you know they had death uh, filled with very like very much existentialism a lot of existentialism like they were very profound very aesthetic but also very entertaining and they were doing all of this like with limited resources and budgets and everything mm-hmm. i think they were able in my opinion to achieve uh, the right balance between high art and let's say commercial entertainment even though they weren't commercial successes but you know they were mm-hmm. still entertaining in, in my eyes they're very entertain- entertaining and um, mm-hmm. I don't know I, I feel like they just had everything they had all the best actors as well all the best looking actors I feel <laughs> like Jean-Paul Belmondo yeah. and Anna Karina yeah. and all that like they were like the icons yeah then and you could see the director's vision right you could immediately mm-hmm. see his mark and I obviously that's the, the place the the word author out and uh, very much you know lives up <laughs> to everything and um, so how do you find inspiration on a daily basis what do you do to stay motivated and you know do you watch a lot of talks listen to a lot of podcasts you know because I know working or wanting to work in film in any capacity whether you want to be a big director or you want to do something like film criticism like it's not always easy to get into that um, industry and like how do you sort of persevere and sort of keep yourself like focused on your goal? I guess I'm, I'm at that point where um, I have my doubts, you know, I'm very much confused <laughs> by <laughs> where my career is taking me. Mm-hmm. So um, I also like, I try to remind myself um, of things that um, motivated me in the first place to pursue filmmaking let's say uh, talking about pursuing uh, filmmaking uh people were starting to um, 
acknowledged that and they were like paying more attention to my let's say my works my skills and and I don't know again I don't know if they were just being nice uh, it was like obviously my my family my friends and everything but they were always uh, uh, complimenting me and they were like oh yeah you have the skills to make it in the industry you have the talent you have the creativity you have the passion the everything and mm-hmm. obviously that's um, pushed me uh, forward and it, they also motivated me and give me more ambition to uh, just go for this but at this point you know let's say objectively I am seeing like how I'm applying to different um, film festivals and everything with my ideas and obviously they the people who select the project they don't know me so it's everything is uh, objective but also subjective but you know what I'm saying like mm, yeah yeah it's obviously like from an objective standpoint they're like choosing those uh how good those ideas are I guess and because I'm I'm still struggling and I feel like I'm I'm not my 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 ideas are not being recognized I'm you know I obviously have my doubts like maybe I'm not as good as I imagined I was you know I think Uh, that's uh that's a doubt that probably crosses any maybe artist's mind at some point or anyone that's created something on their own they'll doubt whether they're good enough at some point in their life you you crave that validation I don't know why I mean all every human craves validation I don't know why (laughs) we're we're conceived that way but yeah so obviously it's hard and frustrating when you don't get the validation that you feel like you deserve or, or you need or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I just, again, there's still, I feel like there's still a lot of doors I haven't opened or knocked on yet. So uh, there's still much to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm reminding myself that there's still time and <laughs> I course. should not give up, obviously, because you yeah. give up. You're still super young and it's always a process, you know, um, these things take time. What do you think needs to change in the cinema industry for for women? For women? Hmm. I don't know if it's related to your question necessarily, but uh, when I was uh, young, let's say still in high school, I... um, I actually, when I, I decided on filmmaking, I was like, I want to be a producer. Obviously, I didn't. I was very naive. I didn't know <laughs> what that meant. But uh, someone told me that you, you're not fit for a producer. You're like too soft or something, you know. And uh, obviously, later on, I realized that producing was not for me, not because I was too soft, but it, because it wasn't that much creative work. Obviously, mm-hmm. I can still be creative, but it's not that, you know, Obviously, I had a different uh, idea of what a producer was doing, mm-hmm. but uh, I still remained with this, um, uh, let's say, preconceived notion that uh, if you want to make it in the industry as a as a woman, you have to either be just very <laughs> not hardcore, but like <laughs> just very feisty, very um, I don't know how to. Like daring and courageous or brave, what do you mean? Those are nice adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't mean that. <laughs> like bossy or just like to show that just like you're very strong. But again, mm-hmm. like be strong in your softness as well, in your in your vulnerability and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and because I didn't, it was it was true in a way because uh, the women I was seeing working in the industry, they were like very, uh, just like very strong, very, I don't know, just like the opposite of me who I'm like very soft spoken, you can fall asleep if I talk, you know. <laughs> Like I, I seem like I, I'm not the person that would make it, you know, since I'm soft or whatever. Um, and I want to, I don't know, prove them wrong that you don't need mm-hmm. to change in order to. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't think you have to change your personality to to suit the industry. Exactly. I mean, of course, you might come across moments where you do need to be a bit more hard and strong yeah. and um, assertive um when you're trying to get your point across but um obviously that doesn't mean completely changing your personality obviously if it's your project like involved and everything you're gonna be you're gonna the strength is gonna come from the passion that you see right how i see it obviously you're gonna take everything seriously and people are gonna take yourselves uh, you seriously if uh, passion but yeah again i guess that's one thing for women just it's funny you were saying how you for a while you thought you wanted to be a producer and I remember for a while I thought okay I want to be a cinematographer like I had it in my head for a couple of years and I even went to a school to see their open day but I don't think I knew what I was even saying because I hadn't even really properly looked at what it involves to be a cinematographer I thought oh you just hold a camera and you do this and that but it's so technical and there's so much lighting involved and lenses and everything so it's kind yeah. of like it's funny when you sort of have this idea of what you want to do and then you kind of realize what the real responsibilities are of that role and then you're like and then along the way you kind of find out what suits you better what suits yeah. your personality what actually and like you said you actually were looking for something more creative and producer is a lot more like logistics and admin yeah. and money and budgets and like <laughs> sorry a lot of talking and a lot of yeah talking negotiating so you know it's different personalities and I think there's so many roles in the cinema industry that can suit you know so many different personalities you don't have to like fit into one mold or anything yeah and relating to what I was talking earlier uh there's I guess this concept of manning up Mm -hmm. you know becoming more like a man just to make it in Mm. this uh, male-driven dominated industry mm-hmm. uh, again that's true <laughs> and even the men don't have to man up they can be soft if they want to yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> has anyone said anything to you that kind of you've stuck to to sort of keep you going I, I would say I guess um because I remember asking a lot of people um during uni like I don't know what is the path someone like me should take you know like if I want to reach this point what do I mm. have and they all gave me similar answers in the sense that they were like oh just follow the same one everybody did you know just do right. this, this and this and then you're gonna at some point reach that point uh, reach that uh, goal or whatever mm-hmm. um and I guess I didn't like that because I was like, why yeah. is only one path you can take, you know, like my way of paving my a new Your path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for like uh, people that follow me as well, they just you don't need to do the same thing every successful person has done, you know. Thank you for checking out today's episode with Maruna. 
If you'd like to see more of Maruna's work, then just head to the link that I left in the description of this podcast. Or if you'd like to check out her company Cinephilium, it's at Cinephilium on Instagram. You can also check out Maruna's top five film recommendations at Real Girls Club on Instagram. Again, thank you for checking out today's episode. I'm really excited for the next one. It will be with Sarah McCaffrey, who is the founder of a company called Solas Mind, working in mental health for the film and TV industry. So I'm very interested and excited to hear about what she has to say. I'll see you in the next one.